Welcome to Living on the List. I'm your host, Matt Duhamel. This is a brave and personal podcast about individuals and families affected by America's sex offense registry. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to Living on the List, Doug. I appreciate your time coming on the show, talking about your story. How are you today? I'm wonderful, Matt. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for, for as I mentioned, coming on the show, because I know this isn't the easiest thing to do. Uh, talk about something that was so traumatic and what you're dealing with today. Uh, you know, it was, it's been a, f- a couple of weeks, but I did interview the gentleman from Nebraska's Unafraid. You're in Nebraska. It seems like Nebraska is a trouble spot, it seems like to me, for being on the sex offense registry. I don't know why. I mean, from what you were telling me, Nebraska does have this lifetime parole supervision thing. And, and you, you got that in your situation. Is that right? Uh, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a supervision, uh, run by the department of parole. So. Okay. And so Doug, you are on the registry, um, and you are on lifetime supervision. Uh, the registry, you said about 10 to 15 more years or a total of 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Um, 10 to 15 years. Okay. Do you want to give me as much as you're comfortable with the summary of what happened, what led to you being on the registry? Um, yeah, I'm going to be a little vague there, but I did have some inappropriate contact with a, a minor child. It, it did result in a, a plea deal to a misdemeanor. I hadn't been in any kind of trouble before, and it was a, I don't want to say minor, I'm not trying to minimize, but it was a a lesser offense as far as what could have happened, I suppose. Okay, so you're living in Nebraska. You're dealing with living on the list. And you told me that uh, you have a a supervisor, like officer coming by every once in a while. What is that like? Um, yeah, he. Uh, I have to visit him once a month. Um, recently, he'd been coming over every month um, with his bulletproof vest on and knocking on my door. Um, he doesn't show up at random. We have pre-scheduled and always, um, it's always when convenient for me, usually Friday afternoon since I get off early on Fridays. And, uh, yeah, but you know, the neighbors see him walk up to my door and then, uh, occasionally he asks me, um, questions about my masturbation habits and relationships and very uncomfortable. I would have to say. Yes. (laughs) Okay. And you're dealing with this for, there's no way to get off this probation at all. Um, I can get a lawyer and then, uh, we can go through being resentenced. Basically got to go back to court and be resentenced, ask to have it removed. Okay. And I do have to mention, this is important fact that this was from a, did you say this already? A misdemeanor? Yes. I I took a plea deal, but it was to a misdemeanor, uh, first degree misdemeanor. So, so we're not even talking like felonies here. We're talking a state misdemeanor. No, it, it fell under negligent child abuse. Okay. Okay. Okay, so that was the official charge, but you still, on your record, it's a misdemeanor. Correct. I'm not a felon. Okay. Uh, okay, so you're not a felon. Uh, you're on the list. Are you having trouble finding work and housing? How has that been? Um, uh, where I live now is kind of, um, it's owned by our, uh, what would be our local, local slumlord. And so it's a little run down. Um, I don't really have an oven. Um, it, the rent is cheap. Uh, but even he gave me trouble when I moved in. He's like, well, we're going to take a chance on you. So the, the conditions of the place that you're living at are not so good. 
No, um, I, I had to fix all the screens myself when I moved in because they were all full of holes and whatnot. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! So I'm thinking this is a place, like you said, a slumlord um, renting to people that are, you know, have maybe really bad credit or a felony or something like that. He doesn't really take care of stuff at all. It sounds like it, and but gives people a, a chance. But then at the same time, you're getting a crappy place, right? Well, and I do appreciating have have a. It is the cheapest rent a person can find in town. But um, when I moved in, the neighbors over here, they um, they moved in a couple months after me. And then within a week, they tried to burn the house down. Uh, rumor has it they were trying to cook meth. So, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, at least you have a place to live. I don't want to say, oh, you know. But it, it, what I'm hearing from so many people and so many people's stories, and, and including myself sometimes in the past, is they might have a place. But it's like the, the landlord's last lowest, crappiest place, you know, <laughs> and it's unfortunate. It's like, why can't you, me, or anybody on the list just live in a normal place if you can afford it? Right, um, right. They, they seem to leave the less desirable places to rent to people that are less desirable, according to society. <laughs> I guess. Mm -hmm. and, and that kind of leads me into the next question. Um, you, you know, I know, I know how this feels, the social rejection and the, the pariah type feel. Um, have you been dealing with that a lot? And how does that affect your daily life? I mean, just getting out of bed and functioning. I don't know. I, I find it hard to uh, go out and try to make friends when you know that those friends might, I don't know, learn, learn about your past. And, and then you're suddenly stuck in that untouchable category. Um, you know, you mentioned work earlier and I, I did spend a summer looking for a second job. And uh, I actually had one job which was working in a, a newspaper, stuffing the ads into the newspapers. Oh, okay. And uh, they turned me down. It wasn't like a forward facing job. I was even walking in the back of the building. <laughs> so I don't know why. Um, and there was another. Yeah, they couldn't even stuff newspapers. So. But so what I does that do to your morale? You know, what does that do to your self-esteem? I, I mean, it's, you know, I, I hear you are, you're thinking I can't even work with newspapers. Yeah. Well, it, it definitely, like you said, morale, I mean, why bother? So especially when you have uh, motivational issues to begin with, you know, a little touch of depression or something, it, it really makes it hard to want to do anything. So did you say you're working now, though? Do you have a job? Oh, yeah, I work full time right now. And, uh, I think there are two other people that work with me that, uh, they, they do hire people. So can you give me the line? You don't have to tell me where it is, but what kind of work is it? Um, manufacturing small electronics. Okay, cool. Lots of soldering and stuff. Okay. So you do have that. You've got some stability, which is great. Um, so jobs, you know, of course you're not going to be working, at, you know, at a, a doctor's office or something or something like that, but you're, you're still, I mean, I wish you could, you might, I don't know, but <laughs> at least you're, <laughs> at least you're working and you got a good job and you've got a place to live, uh, your social life though. And I do talk a lot about this because it affects me. I'm on the, on the registry and it's not like I don't have people that I, I know, I don't know, or and friends. I have that. I have family though. They're not local, but I do have that. Um, but it's tough. You were telling me that just a second ago that you're afraid if you meet somebody that they're going to look you up. Right. Uh, you know, and I, that is, has that happened to you? Um, 
I believe people I know have looked me up and haven't, uh, or people that I work with have looked me up and they just haven't confronted me, but they're still cordial. Um, so, but you know, they, nobody's come at me and said, Hey, by the way, you, and I actually do have a, a lady I'm seeing, she's a bit older than me, so I'm kind of a catch. And so she's willing to overlook my issue. So, but, uh, (laughs) we see her, I see her a few times a week. Did you do any prison or jail time? Um, I did do, uh, I got a year, uh, in jail. Um, I served, uh, six months plus a, was a two month probation term because he could slap that on. So I ended up serving about seven months total. Do you think you did, you did some jail time, some uh, local, you know, um, county jail time. Do you think that was worse than what you're dealing with now? You know, with being on the registry and, and things like that? No, right now I have the solace. I have the peace of mind that um, I don't have to worry about what all these other guys are doing or what their motives are or playing their drama games. I'm, I'm by myself. The only person I have to answer to is my dog. So, um, and then my creditors, I guess, got to pay my bills. But <laughs> what you're dealing with now is better than being incarcerated. Oh, oh, heck yes. Yes, I would not go back there for love nor money. I mean, no way. Uh, I've had some people say, man, I'd rather be in jail to deal with the, the probation, the, the parole, the, the registry. I'd have to disagree <laughs> because. Yeah, there's still something more out here, you know, I mean, than there is in there. I mean, in there, you've got all these other guys and their farts. It's disgusting. And like I said, you don't know what their motives are. You don't know what they're planning. Um, you can't get away from them. And Soup, 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 soup. They're just cooking ramen all the time. So <laughs> I, I hate about ramen. The, it's all about the damn soups and the stamps and who's, right. who's this dude coming in? Where's your papers? You know, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's good that we can laugh about it now, but um, tell me what else. Does anything stand out to you uh, recently over the last couple of years that you've had to deal with because you're on the list? Yeah, um. Aside, well, yeah, the one time I got scammed, that was a pretty good one. Well, I almost got scammed. Um, a guy claiming to be from the Nebraska State Patrol called up, and he he notified me that I was supposed to have provided a second piece of DNA and um, that I was sent a registered letter, but somebody signed for it, so I was notified. And now there's a warrant for my arrest, but if I go down to Walmart and buy gift cards, yeah, I can buy, I can, I can buy my, um, basically bail my way out of the warrant. Oh my gosh. I bet you did it, right? You went down there and got, got the gift certificates and you're okay now. <laughs> oh, yep. I am just fine. No, actually he, he, he had me half tricked. It's somewhere in between. Um, I did actually get in my pickup. I drove down there and I thought, wait a second. Cause I don't know how the law works. This is the first time I was ever in trouble for anything. And I got down there I, and as I was getting out of the pickup, he mentioned, oh, well, you know what Crime Stoppers is, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's where you call up people and let them know. It's like, yeah, if you go in there and mention anything about what you're doing to anybody, they'll call the police and they'll come and arrest you on the spot. Oh, yes. I've heard and, that's part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what tipped me off as I immediately went, no, no, no. And I hung up on him and I actually called my supervision officer. I do have a warrant out for my arrest. And the one time it was good to have a silly supervision officer and she, she no, no. Yes. Someone at least on your side. Well, okay, back to the back to the serious conversation. Uh, not that that wasn't serious, but there are people listening right now that are thinking, "What a bunch of whiners!" 
what a bunch of, you know, pieces of crap or whatever they're thinking, uh, you know, that you did it, you, you know, I did it, you did it, almost a million people did this crime and they deserve all these restrictions and even more and maybe even death. Um, what would you say to them about that? Um, you know, the law sets down how much time we can serve. I served the legal maximum and paid the legal maximum. Um, and yeah, maybe I should have served longer. Um, my shame and my guilt drives me quite a bit these days, unfortunately. But, um, at some point in time, you've got to let people back out. You can't lock people up forever. And, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to outcast them? You're going to make them put them back out on the fringe. Luckily I have a pretty good grip on myself and I don't mind being a little bit alone, but, uh, some people really require, I mean, you remember how people whined about COVID? Um, I've pretty much been under COVID restrictions for the last six years. Um, I don't really have any friends outside, you know, my mother and my dog, um, and my girlfriend. Don't forget about your girlfriend. She's going to be upset if you don't. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I want to go to work. I want to go to Safeway. I want to pay my taxes. And I want to find a few people that might be willing to tolerate me. <laughs> That's about it. That's all I can ask, right? Oh, man. Well, I hope, that, I hope, I hope it's more. Um, is that sad? I'm sorry. <laughs> no. It, well, hey, it's the truth. You know, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, it's that fear of trying to meet people and then, and then what is their reaction going to be when they find out about the offense? Uh, are they going to huddle their children together when you come by, you know, or, you know, Sarah, go in the other room. We've got Matt or Doug coming over. You know, it's, it's, you know, so it's that constant, uh, constant fear uh, because a sex offense had occurred in one way or another. We could be talking about pictures. We could be talking about hands-on offense or whatever. That it's, it's always going to be and never going to go away. It's always going to be a risk. Um, and for some people, that could be true. But then we're all lumped into the same category. Um, so there's no distinguishing between people that made a mistake and we'll never do it again versus people that are, uh, that have got some real big issues. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe in some of these States for the lesser people, you know, if you could look them up, if it says M, you know, M1, maybe give them a bit of break. Cause that, that, you know, even though I took a plea deal that, I mean, I could have been drinking a couple of beers and decided to go behind a tree in a park and a kid came around the corner, you know, I mean, Completely innocent and maybe probably should have been drinking or pissing in a park, but still, it's not like I assaulted a kid in that case. Um, it, some of these charges on some of these kids that are out there, they're, they're with their underage girlfriends, you know, and, and it ends up being a technicality. You know, maybe they need a break. They paid their crime, but they, you need to let them back out and be human beings and, and not be singled out with some stupid list, so... How do you feel about the levels that they've created? Um, level one being the low risk, two medium, three high. Do you have something like that in Nebraska? Yeah, um, there are three levels. There's lifetime, 30-year, and 15-year. And, um, you know, the, the lifetime, they have to check up quarterly. The 15-year the or the 30-year, they have to check up every two years. Every, twice a year. And then I only have to check in once a year. And then only the 15 year you can petition after 10 years, you can go to the state patrol and you can ask to be let off the list early. Um, and I suppose if you've been good, 
and maybe have some references. I don't know what the process actually is that they let you off the list after 10 years. So, Okay. But, but do you think these levels are helping people? Does it help the public figure out who's really a, at risk? Or do you think all levels are being treated the same, like a pariah? You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, if the public understood how it worked and they saw the level when they looked a person up, they'd get an idea of the severity of the crime. But most people don't take the time. They just see sex offender and boom, that's it. You're lumped. Like you said, you're lumped in the same category. Do you have any other ideas besides having a registry that, you know, what could replace the registry? Do you, have you ever thought of that? Um, I don't mind being on a list that the police know. Obviously, I mean, if something goes down in the neighborhood, I kind of expect somebody to knock on my door. Do you ever think that you should have done a different crime, like a more severe crime, like even murder? I have said that, actually. Um, I've said that. It, that um, and I don't know if you want to throw this in, but I'll bear my soul here. But I feel like if I'd have gone out and committed a murder, at least I'd still have my family. You know, I'd be able to to talk to my family. So, um, but, uh, so your know. family is really not communicating with you too much. No, no. I have a, a, a wife and two kids and they don't. Yeah. I haven't seen them in forever. So taking someone's life is more accepted in society versus damaging someone's life, either through abuse or, or something like that. I don't, advocate for either of course i'm not saying we should kill somebody instead of you know kidnapping or molesting somebody but it seems more acceptable in society like oh they can get over the fact that maybe you had to kill somebody i'm not talking about you know killing your whole family or something like that but just you know there was maybe a third degree murder or something you know Vehicular not premeditated homicide, yeah yeah something like that that you actually remove the person from the planet and can no longer be here and is dead versus what well, I, I think it really is, is our, uh, I understand it's the youth, you know, um, the issue with damaging and abusing youth, but they're still living. And yes, I get it. They're going through trauma. Okay. I understand. Uh, but again, it just, I, you know, I'm going to, I've done an episode about maybe I should have killed somebody instead. And that sounds horrible. That sounds really bad. Uh, I'm not going to do that, but it's just, it, it, I wouldn't be put on a list. I would probably get more job offers. Um, so you think of those things and it's, 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 it's rough, really rough. Yeah. Well, see, and I'll be the first to admit that what I did weighs, was heavy on me. I mean, you, you're talking about poor me, poor me sounding like I'm feeling Sorry for myself, but um, I didn't look in the mirror for a long time because of my guilt, my shame. And I put, you, I put everything I did on me. Uh, you said you might have killed somebody or something. Well, I, I kind of do feel like I, at the very least, wounded somebody mortally. And uh, I, I carry that with me. And so whatever somebody outside says about what, I, what kind of horrible human I am... I, I know that. You don't need to tell me that. 
well, I don't think you're a horrible human. Well, uh, but it but it is scary because of the reactions of people inside and outside prison against someone on the registry. In fact, I saw something on Facebook Reels or, or Instagram Reels or some news thing. And it's it's a true story. There is this prisoner that killed a, a rapist. Uh, and I'm reading the comments on the social media page there, the 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 post. And they were praising this guy for killing him. Um, right. They said, this guy needs to get a medal. This guy needs to be released early. Uh, it went on and on and on. Nobody, nobody said, whoa, that's extreme. Way extreme. Nobody said mm -hmm. that. Where do you see yourself in like 5, 10, 15, 100 years? <laughs> oh, well, 100 years, that's a little far out. But, yeah. um, you know, 10, 15 years, I... I hope to at least have a living situation that's a little more comfortable um, and someone to, to be with, you know, that's, that's about all I can ask. Maybe my dog, maybe my dog will still be around, you know? You know, I so. love dogs. I've got a dog. He's been, he, he doesn't care. He's happy. I feed him. I go hang out with him. I treat him well. I'm telling yeah. you, that's sometimes the best relationships. <laughs> I, could I could certainly, I could certainly wash him more often. That's for sure. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, difficult. Well, what kind uh, of dog do you have? I got a blue healer. Oh, okay. I have an English Springer Spaniel. He used to be. Um, he was on my old, um, the outspoken offender that I used to have on YouTube. Have oh, there he is right now. He's standing right next to me. What advice do you give other people that are living on the list? What advice could you give to them to live a healthier life? Um, I think the biggest thing is, I mean, there are certain things they warn you about in treatment, um, like, you know, public restrooms and stuff when you're a registered sex offender and you don't want to be accused of anything falsely just because somebody happens to recognize you. Um, I don't know that that's so much of a concern as you just need to go out and just not worry about what other people, um, they're either going to like you or they're not. I mean, well, it is, it is hard. And I have finally, I think so close gotten to the point where, uh, yeah, deep down inside, I, I, I do feel somewhat, but people think of me. Yeah. But for the most part, I've gotten past that. And I just, I'm just trying to live a happy, productive life, trying to help others, even through this podcast. And I think, you know, if people can, you know, go through what we've gone through and turn it around and make a difference for, for people, my God, I mean, we're doing the right thing. We're doing mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to help others too. That's, that's why I wanted to talk to you mainly. Um, that and there's something a little, I guess, uh, cathartic is the right word about just talking about it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And is that guilt driven? You know, some people might say, oh, they, you know, I feel guilty or you feel guilty and you want to help people and you want to, you want to erase that stain, you know, erase the, the crime. No, I don't think it's that. I mean, it might be a small portion where, yeah, maybe I need to do something with this, but I've even before my crime, uh, I've always wanted to just help others in some way, like a therapy type thing. But now I feel like this unfortunate incident that occurred um, gives me the, that chance. Um, okay, Doug, thank you so much for, for being on Living on the List uh, and telling your story. I hope everything goes well for you and, you know, things improve and maybe you'll get off the registry early. Let's hope. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I, I certainly hope so. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> okay. Hang in there. Thanks, Doug. Hey, thank you, Matt, for having me. I, I really appreciate what you do. I'm your host, Matt Duhamel. 
More information on this podcast can be found at livingonthelist.com. And remember, according to George Eliot, it is never too late to be who you might have been.